0: His Highness Sheikh Hamdan has been there. Will Smith has been there. Uh, one, I forget the Red Bull guy's name, but there was a Red Bull motocross guy that was just up there. Tom Cruise has been there. But yeah, so there have been, there have been, there have been several people, but I'm the only woman that's ever been to the top of the Burj.
1: You might recognize Nicole Smith-Ludvik from an Emirates airline campaign that went viral in 2021. She's that flight attendant who was casually standing on top of Dubai's Burj Khalifa, which is almost one kilometer high and 163 floors. Nicole is actually a professional skydiver who was hired to bring this spectacular ad concept to life. But how did an American woman from a small town in Georgia end up standing on top of the world's tallest building in an Arab country? I'm Nadia Michelle, and this is TMR Thrill Seekers. The Burj
0: Khalifa stunt was is. Without a doubt, one of the most amazing stunts that I have ever done in my entire life. And the way that it all came about was um, w- when Emirates initially did a casting call for their flight attendants. And I believe that they had some you know some candidates that were willing to go up there. But after some 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 consideration, they decided that it was a better idea to hire a professional to to do that. and and the reason being is uh, when you're at that altitude in a situation like that, you, I mean, it's necessary that you maintain a, a level head and, and have an understanding of, of those dynamics. Um, but in the past, I've worked with this company called Prime Productions, this man named Alan gayton He's also a skydiver. I've worked behind the scenes with Alan and Marta, um, with Prime Productions, on some other stunts. Um, and my husband is also a stuntman. And so I've been behind the scenes on several of his stunts. And Alan called me and he goes, Nicole, I have this project. I want to know if you're interested in it. Do you have red lipstick? Which is, you know, just getting a call from Alan is kind of weird anyway. He talks to my husband several times a week, but I very rarely talk to him on the phone. And I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of a weird question. Yeah, I have red lipstick. And he was like, all right, cool. So I need you to go. I need you to do a casting video. I need you to put your hair up, put some red lipstick on. And I need you to send me a casting video that tells me a bit about who you are, the crazy stuff that you do. And um, that's kind of how it all got started. Um, I, you know, I got to take a look at this risk assessment. And I think the risk assessment for the stunt was, you know, it, it was it was a long risk assessment. So every element of of safety had been thoughtfully planned, and uh, th- we had everything executed and ready to go. And then getting prepared for the stunt, of course, it was going to a warehouse, taking a look at the platform, getting familiar with, you know, how to climb the platform, what it's going to look like, and you know, all of these things happening in a controlled environment, which I think is really important, understanding, you know, it, where my body is going to be in space and in that time and being familiar with, with that, with the platform there. Um, and then we, whenever we were getting ready for the shoot, it was a super early call time, had to go in for hair and makeup. And then we started the climb up to the top about an hour, an hour and a half before sunrise, hour and 15 minutes before sunrise. And the way that the whole climb goes, so you take the the elevator to the 160th floor and then you've got to take, you know, some service elevators, little service areas up and then you start the climb, which is about 200 meters inside this extremely narrow space. I mean, really, really narrow. Like I wouldn't be able to have a backpack on my back. That's how narrow the space is. So. You know, climbing to the top. We, of course, I was harnessed in. I had a safety harness, and and uh, I I was attached the the whole climb up. So uh, to an ascender. So as I you know, a climb up. There's not you're really a, a concern about falling. And getting to the top of the platform was a really incredible experience. The the standing on the the top of the spire, and you know, the, I still had the the platform above me, but. It was just remarkable being able to see the city from there. The last two meters was up the up the platform itself, and of course, the whole time I'm always attached to to three points of attachment. So I have um, my safety harness, and then I'm attached to the platform, and I'm attached to the spire as well. So all of these things um, are keeping me safe. Yeah, and then standing on top of the platform once you know I, I kind of found my handholds, my footholds, then standing up was just it was just remarkable. It did get a lot of attention. I think Emirates hit the Holy grail with this, with this marketing stunt, right? Because you, you look at it, you watch it and you, you feel something, they really capture your emotions with a stunt. So it's, you you know, you either are in total awe or it makes you sick because, you know, you get a little vertigo or it's complete disbelief, or, you know, you, you think it's a, a blatant lie that it's all CGI. And, um, but, it, and, and I love that. I love that there's been so much controversy that way of people, whether it's real or fake, like you, you pick one side of that coin and you stick there and, you know, with it until you see the behind the scenes. And in some cases, some people still think it's fake, but it's, uh, I've had a lot of really positive response come across on my own social medias People are very, um, I, I don't know, they're, they, they, people think that I'm, I'm really brave. And, and I, love, I love hearing that the, the, the courage has inspired people to, to do things that they've you know been scared to do or pursue things that they were scared to do, but they, they, they've seen the stunt and, and they, they use that as inspiration in their own stories.
1: Nicole came to Dubai in 2016 to teach skydiving and just to enjoy it as part of her daily routine. She's done as many as 16 dives in a single day. A typical jump can be anywhere from 10 to 14,000 feet, which is over four kilometers up. The first minute of that is free fall. At maximum speed or terminal velocity, divers can fly through the sky at up to 200 kilometers an hour. This whole idea, jumping out of a flying airplane, goes completely against any human survival instinct. But somehow, it's great.
0: When I got to the door of the airplane, it was one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life, you know, because you realize at that point that you've never been in an airplane with a door open. And when you get to the edge, it is literally the end of your comfort zone because you're standing there and you're faced with the decision of do I jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Am I going to die? What the heck am I doing? <laughs> when I got out of the airplane for the first time, it was the most liberating crazy, blissful experience of my life. And it's just that, that emotion that is attached to skydiving that has just stayed with me, that excitement and that passion.
1: Nicole is multi-rated in skydiving, which means she practices and teaches a variety of different types of jumps. That's right. There are many ways you could do this other than screaming at the top of your lungs.
0: So there's several different disciplines in skydiving. Um, there's formation skydiving, so learning how to fly with a group of people. There's free flying, which is just a, another type of dynamic flying and, and um, belly flying and, and wingsuiting. Uh, so there's you know multiple different disciplines within the sport of skydiving. And as, as a coach, I'm, I'm able to, to teach people kind of uh, how to hone in on their skills of how to like the aerodynamics of body flight and, and how they can fly better.
1: The view from the sky is one of the main criteria for skydivers, which is why most top skydiving locations are in places with incredible natural beauty like New Zealand and Hawaii. But Dubai has become a hub for skydivers from all over the world because of its unique city views and also the weather, which is warm year-round. Here you can fly over man-made wonders like the Palm Jumeirah, the artificial archipelago built into the sea, and get a mind-blowing view of the Persian Gulf. Or you could do a desert jump and enjoy a view of golden sand dunes in the Arabian desert. Dubai also hosts one of the biggest annual international skydive championships.
0: Skydiving is uh, very prevalent in Dubai. It is such a beautiful place to jump. Um, there are two different drop zones there. One is the Skydive Dubai Palm Jumeirah, the iconic skydiving over you know Palm Jumeirah. And the other one is in the desert campus. But I mean, the weather in Dubai is glorious for skydiving, especially in the winter. The community of skydivers is one, they're so special because, and it's, it, it literally encompasses every walk of life. You could be, you know, jobless and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, or you could be uh, a quantum physicist and it is a level playing field for everybody. So there's just this, uh, again, it's just this level of camaraderie. It's this band of brothers where, you know, we all come together with one intention and that's to skydive. That's to have fun.
1: Nicole came to the UAE to be with her husband, David Jr. Ludwig, who's also a world-renowned champion skydiver. But she was born and grew up in a small town in America, in Northeast Georgia.
0: I remember, I lived really close to an airport community in my hometown, and I would lay in the grass and look up at the skies and watch airplanes just kind of fly around all day. And I always wondered what it would be like to jump out of an airplane. So that's, you know, that's kind of where that seed got planted. But then I had these recurring nightmares about falling off of a cliff. And I figured that if I went skydiving, I would not have that nightmare anymore. And it did. Yeah. As soon as I went skydiving, that nightmare stopped.
1: Her dreams stopped, but something else lurked around the corner. In two thousand eleven, what happened in her real life rivaled even the worst nightmare.
0: Um, I've had some some tragic things happen in my life. Um, my I, I was a widow at twenty five, and I, I you know I needed something to just to kind of bring me back to to myself and and to you know give me something to focus on. And I started skydiving in two thousand eleven. Um, about a just a almost a year after my, my late husband passed away and it really just reinvigorated my life. And then about six months after I started skydiving, I was in a really bad car accident that by all statistics should have claimed my life. Um, I had, uh, oh my gosh, the, the, the left me with a broken neck, a broken back. I had two broken ribs, a collapsed lung, a broken tailbone. My pelvis was broken in four places. I had two brain injuries, and again, by all statistics, I should not have made it. the, the man that was in the car with me, who was my boyfriend at the time, his name was jeremy. he was he was killed almost instantly. And um, I, I've had to be life flighted to a trauma hospital, and I there's eleven days of my life that I have no recollection of. so, um as I was going through the rehabilitation process, the like learning how to walk again, um, and the whole the, the goal that I had in mind was to skydive all 50 United States. So these, you know, while I'm going through this, this physically and emotionally um painful time, that was always the light at the end of my tunnel when I'm ready, when my orthopedist give me the go ahead, which I had some really phenomenal sports medicine doctors, when I got the go ahead from them that, you know, everything was going to be okay. If, you know, I did a skydive, then that was, that was it. That was my goal and ambition. And it was a, I was able to get through the, the, the process and, and with, with all, with that in mind, the whole time was being able to skydive all 50 states when I was done. The accident happened in Rockmart, Georgia on June 13th, 2011, a mile from my boyfriend's house. Literally like as we, where we were, I could see the turn into his apartment. That's how close we were. We were, um, we were hit by, by a driver who ran a red light. He collided with us and hit the driver's side door of the car we were in. Um, but I have a goal to skydive, all seven continents, and I have I've jumped five, um, and I have Australia and and Antarctica left. So those are those two places. I th- those are
1: my biggest goals. The science behind why people bypass their natural instincts and risk their lives to skydive is pretty broad. Besides the incredible feeling of flying, one obvious factor is the adrenaline rush, which instantly makes you feel stronger and heightens your senses. The body also releases endorphins and serotonin during a skydive, hormones that are known to make us feel happy. Statistically, the risk of dying in a skydiving accident is negligible, only 0.00045%, and it's even less for tandem jumps. Parachute malfunctions, though, can happen, which is why skydivers always have two. Most injuries actually happen with bad landings, safety protocols have really improved over the last few decades, which has resulted in a steady decline in annual deaths.
0: I'll say it like this. There are times in skydiving where things can go wrong. It's just kind of the, it's the probability, the statistical probability that there's going to be something that, you know, isn't perfect. And the same thing with any outdoor sports. There's an element of uh, perceived danger. But the thing about skydiving is, and, and learning how to skydive is, we are taught. And as an instructor, I teach people how to navigate these situations. So let's just say there's um, a, an incident. Uh, we call them parachute malfunctions and they happen. The statistics are um, about one in a thousand. There can be a type of malfunction and you know these can be Something, you know, as, as severe, as uh, something as, as insignificant as, you know, um, what we call a line twist, which is really a, a common uh, malfunction in skydiving or something that that's requires a little bit more action where we would need to use a reserve parachute. But the thing is, again, this is this something that we are taught how to handle? Um, you know, in a high stress, anxiety-inducing situation, we need to maintain a level head, and and you know, so long as we're, we're following the, the right emergency procedures, then uh, the it's it's pretty easy to navigate these
1: problems. Dealing with a malfunction while flying at two hundred kilometers per hour takes a certain amount of cool, calm, and collected. Nicole, who's also a yoga teacher mindfully cultivates this aspect of her personality practice
0: practice practice i had a a chorus teacher whenever i was really really young uh, who who put this into my mind she goes nicole practice doesn't make perfect we're human practice makes permanent and i love that and that's something that really resonates in skydiving for me is is we practice so we have these uh Emergency procedures is what we call them, and you know pilots have these same things where we go through scenarios in our minds about what could happen and if we, you know, if these things do happen, how we handle these situations. So when we're in a real life situation of having to deal with, you know, a, a, a parachute malfunction, this is what we do in order to save our lives. So there's that aspect of things, and you know, when you continue to practice things and you practice things the correct way, it's just muscle memory. So it's, you know, again, it's just a natural response to deal with those, those situations. But another thing that really helps me in high stress situations is mindfulness. I, I practice yoga nearly every day. Um, and, you know, meditation and mindfulness is a part of my practice. And, and that really helps me keep my mind centered when I'm starting to stress out.
1: That feeling you get while skydiving or facing what Nicole calls an anxiety-inducing situation might actually be therapeutic.
0: Everybody has fear. Uh, It's just, it's just a part of who we are, but the the thing is not letting fear control you. So I, I believe that if someone has the the want and the desire to really go skydiving, that they should do it. It's just about you know finding the courage within themselves to do it. And it is, uh, like I said earlier, it is one of the most amazing experiences of my life. The very first time that I did it, um, the the initial stepping out of the airplane, it it's that standing in the airplane, and and I, and I can't stress this enough. It is that moment of uncertainty where you are standing, your feet are on, you know, solid ground, so to speak, in the, in the airplane. And you look out, you look down, you see the ground. It's really hard to quantify how high you are. Um, and it is, it is super scary. But the second you are out of the airplane, again, it's one of the most amazing experiences that anyone will ever have. And I truly believe that if anybody, if, if they do decide to go skydiving, they when they make the decision to step out of the airplane, I believe that transcends every other thing that we do in life. It puts things into a different perspective. Um, it Facing that fear, I, I, I really believe that the best things in life are on the other side of the fear. We have this this, this, this thing in our mind of, you know, I'm really, really scared, but when we jump out, it is the most liberating, freeing experience ever. It helps us be brave in other aspects of our lives where, you know, we might not have had the courage to, to face it before.
1: Skydiving is one way to live a more satisfying and exhilarating life and to experience the full range of human emotions. After all, we only live once and it often comes to an end when you least expect it
0: for me the key to living my best life is is challenging myself to try new things and then making time for the things that I love and prioritizing those things Um, and then again like I said earlier staying connected to my childlike curiosity I for me I like to just stop and smell the flowers I like to appreciate the small things and I believe that that level of, of gratitude as well is something that um helps me live my best life. I believe that I've gone through the things that I've gone through because it's, I don't know, there's a greater purpose for me. And I believe that if I can inspire one person to push through their fear or to find some light in their darkness, then it's all worth it. That's why I want to tell my story. Because I know we we all have fear. We all have fear and sometimes we just need you know, a a different perspective, a, a different story to be able to make something great for ourselves. And I hope that my story is able to inspire others to do that.
1: You can follow Nicole in the sky and on the ground on Instagram at Nicole Smith Ludwig, or you can watch her fly on her YouTube channel. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like it and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nadia Michelle underscore. See you soon.